Mindfulness Mode 505. For a very long time, I didn't know what true love was. I actually had a warped idea of what love was. Hey, welcome to Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce Langford, your Mindfulness Mode host. Hey, do you ever have any trouble falling asleep at night? Well, you can download my free Sleep Naturally meditation to help you get to sleep easily. Go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash sleep. Now, this guest today, she has such an incredible story. And I think you will really enjoy my interview with Amy. I think that it'll speak to you. I have a feeling. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's interview. Mindful Tribe, I have a woman here with a beautiful story today, and I think that you'll be drawn into Amy's story. And one of the things she just told me is that she believes that people need to be available for each other and share positive energy. And I so believe that. I'm so thrilled to have Amy Cabo here today. Amy, are you in mindfulness mode today? I try to be in mindfulness mode daily. That's great. That is wonderful to have you on the show. And I want to share a little bit about you with my audience. Amy Cabo lives to serve others. That's what she is all about. She exudes kindness. And like I said, she believes people need to be available for one another and share their positive energy. Amy has a gripping story. She was sexually abused by her stepfather from the age of three. And at the age of 15, she became part of what the Miami media dubbed the case from hell, a case that pitted her parents against her. And the darkness got even thicker when her daughter fell into a coma after someone tried to kill her. So it's a very gripping story, but yet a ray of light burst into her life when she met her husband on an accidental vacation, and she experienced unconditional love for the very first time. And at that point, her pain and suffering began to heal, and she realized that love was the answer to everything. And today, Amy's a transformational speaker. She's a talk show host. She has a radio show. She's an award-winning author of her book called Love is the Answer, God is the Cure. And the subtitle is The Inside Story of a Young Girl's Courage to Stand Up to Her Abusers. So before we get into your story, Amy, tell us what mindfulness means to you. Mindfulness means living at the moment, being aware of oneself and being aware that everyone has a special purpose, big or small. Not only that, but wanting to do the right thing and being there for others. We can set ourselves for happiness or we can set ourselves for frustration. I know that a lot of my suffering and a lot of my frustration I cost myself. So we can set ourselves for happiness just by simply being organized, doing things right, doing them right the first time, not having to do it again. Most importantly, by establishing meaningful relationships. Mindfulness is when you know, when you're aware of your special abilities, of which is most composed of love 
and that love that you can share with others. Amy, your book is called Love is the Answer, God is the Cure. It sounds like there was a revelation that you had in your life where you suddenly realized that love was the answer. Can you describe that moment, that time? Well, since I was a little girl, I really didn't know love for a very long time. I didn't know what true love was. I actually had a warped idea of what love was. I was orphaned at 15. And when I was 18, I was a single mother. And I was alone for eight years as a single mother until I got married. Now that's to say, had I not gone through all that I went through in life, I would have not experienced the many miracles that I did. And one of the miracles in my life was my husband who came into my life. It was the first time that I had ever experienced unconditional love, especially coming from a man. And even though I was a difficult person, I was, and he showed me what unconditional love truly was. And because I saw how good he was to me, I realized he was a blessing from God. And if he's a blessing from God, God must love me. And if God loves someone like me, then I could love myself. And that's when love became the answer to all my problems. Tell me when you first realized that you could love yourself. It took a long time. I'm sure <laughs> it took it did. a very long time. But I first realized it when I started praying every day. When I seriously prioritized God in my life. And my priority was to grow in a relationship with him so I can be a better person for others. I realized that if I could be happy with myself, then I, I wouldn't be such a miserable person and that I could be there for others. And that was my motivation. When you learn to love others and find them precious, you tend to forget about yourself. And then your motivation is bigger and it just transforms. You transform into a selfless person and you feel better about yourself. And as you feel better about yourself, you're able to help others. How old were you, Amy, when you first began to realize that God existed? I was always aware of God because my mother was a religious person, a very religious person. When I was seven, I had a dream where I saw Jesus come down from heaven, a bunch of angels around him singing the most beautiful hymn. His feet touched the ground and little kids surrounded me, giggling and laughing. They all ran to him and, and then I said, God, how about me? And he said, come to me, my child. And I must have known about God then. And God told me, come to me because it was then that my world turned upside down. It was seven when I first told my mother, my mother something when it hurt using the bathroom and she saw me. So that's when my dream had a significance. I knew that my world would come apart, but God told me, you can come to me. And that's the same message that I want to portray to others because I've tried everything. I've been a guinea pig and nothing worked for me. I saw myself one day having the perfect husband, wonderful kids, everything I wanted in life, yet feeling empty and feeling lonely. Because for a long time, I was just surviving, suffering, 
and praying. But when you live at the moment, when you're mindful, you do more than survive. You do more than just do for yourself. You learn to do for others, even if it means sacrificing yourself. Amy, was your mother aware of the sexual abuse that was happening from your stepfather? When I was seven, she was aware. She just beat him up and he came out and he admitted to me that he was sick and that he needs to go get help. And I saw how destroyed everybody was, how everybody was crying. But he came back two days later and I knew never to say anything again. Mm -hmm. So it happened for four years without your mother knowing then? Yes, and it progressed uh, until I was 15. And my mother didn't like me much. My mother used to beat me soon after that. So I knew not to say anything. I felt like I had done something wrong. So you felt tremendous guilt then? I blamed myself. Most children do. How did you try to hide the hurt? I was a great actress. I was a quiet child. But I also didn't show anything. If uh, Even to this day as an adult, I don't like to let people see me suffer. If I cry, nobody can see me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And as a kid, I was the same. If I had to cry, I'd go in the closet. Or nobody can know I'm hurting. I didn't want to upset anybody. What about your husband? Is it okay for him to know? <laughs> well, I have another choice. He catches me. We're always together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then... What did you do to quell the pain? It sounds like you had some addictions that set in. For a long time, I was feeling bad and I didn't understand why. I had a really good way of minimizing it and putting it behind me. I did that the whole time. I was an orphan and single mother. That's how I survived. That's how I learned to get by. And around my friends, life was happy and I was the life of the party and no problems, no worries. People didn't know my problems. I didn't want them to know. I didn't want to be the bearer of bad news. So the way that I would just deal with it was I would pray. I would pray a lot. I would go to church. And then when I felt I couldn't take the pain anymore, I went through some addiction. And it was difficult. Uh, So difficult that I had drastic move just to get away from a bad addiction. I was addicted to crack for two weeks every day. It was crazy. But I had a death wish. I was that one of the days that I did drugs, I die because I hated myself that much. And it wasn't until God's good time when I prayed every day in the middle of prayer. I followed through. I'm not a writer. I don't barely read, but write your story. And so I did. And when I did, I understood where the pain came from. And I was able to deal with it then because I'm no longer blocking it and denying it. Now I'm writing it down. Now I'm reliving it. I needed a little extra help, like ketamine infusions and things like that, because I went through a pain I didn't know was possible. So I had grown resistance to every medication. At the time I was in four medications. Now I take one and life is a lot more manageable. And I see things in a much different light. I no longer hate myself. I was blind and my eyes are opened. I appreciate life like never before. 
I appreciate so much things I didn't notice before. I realized so many blessings I didn't know I had before. Everything's a blessing. Even the things, the fact that I'm not having pain right now, that's a blessing. (laughs) So I I live all day appreciating everything. If I'm cleaning, oh God, thank you that I can do this. That my fingers are not hurting or that I'm cleaning so well or that I'm not depressed that I'm doing my daily activities. God, thank you that the lady that just served me my lunch at the gasoline station gave me a smile and a hug and they seem so happy to see me and I feel so loved. God, thank you that everyone at work gets along and when when they see me, they're so happy and I can give them a heartfelt hug. Uh, Just being grateful all day long, I, I believe that a grateful heart is a happy heart. You tend to look at the bright side when you're grateful. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Gratitude is wonderful. Tell us about the process of writing the book. Let's talk about the book a little bit more. Uh, Love is the answer. God is the cure. And you can check out, I'm just going to just say this right now, you can check out the website at amyspurpose.com. It's A-I-M-E-E-S purpose. Dot com, And of course, you can get your hands on the, the wonderful book, Love is the Answer, God is the Cure. How long did it take you to write it? And tell us about the process of writing. Was that a mindful process for you? I don't know what it was because it was kind of crazy. That same day, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and wrote to six o'clock in the morning, nonstop. No writer's block. Somebody asked me writer's block. I'm like, what's that? Mm. <laughs> Just nonstop everything and anything I can remember. And um, and then I would do that every single day for about six or months, nonstop. Just no alarm clock. Just we'd get up at three o'clock in the morning around six or seven when the kids woke up and stop. But I needed that time alone with a laptop. Just me and God. Just whatever comes to mind. And that's how I went about it. It didn't seem difficult, but it was emotionally challenging. Right. I got physical pain. I didn't know I could have like stomach pain like never before. And I was getting aches and uh, it was, um, I was healing, but just like a wound that or a burn that you have to scrape for it to heal. Mm-hmm. That kind of deal. We had to dig right in and face the pain. That was a wonderful part of the process also, because it made me feel so much stronger that I was able to face the pain. So you grow, you say, I was able to face it. I'm okay with it. I can get past it. It's not who I am. It's the path. I can learn from it. I don't have to be destroyed by it. And now you have a radio show. (laughs) <laughs> and that's wonderful. Tell us about your radio show and how that helps you in your life. Well, that's another thing. Just the same way I'm not a writer and I barely read. I've never been a radio show host. But hey, wherever God puts me, I'll do it. I'm game. Uh, I'm not going to doubt myself. If God put me in that position, then I'll give it my best shot. That's how I've always faced life. And the radio show is called The Cure with Amy Cabo. And Cabo is C-A-B-O, The Cure with Amy Cabo. Tell me about some of the experiences on your show and what you've learned from it, what you've gotten from it. 
I've learned so much from my show because the cure just means helping others in whatever way possible. So it's inspirational speakers, psychologists, just anybody. It's the cure. It's how you can help anybody that's suffering from anything. I cover all kinds of topics. Uh, One time I had somebody talking about forms of sleep. People suffer from deprived sleep. They suffer at work. They suffer. They are more irritable. And there's a lot of things that I learned that were very interesting. I didn't realize sleep was so important. But we we deal with all kinds of things. And I'll tell you what, my guests have been inspirational to me. There's things that I have learned from my guests that are amazing and things that are very important to know because awareness is key for things to not develop, for bad things to develop. And so it's a way of helping one another. And my guests are heaven sent. They're a blessing. I, uh, I think the greatest thing about my show is the guests. But some episodes you do without guests, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. In the beginning, we didn't have guests. And also when I'm interviewed, it's just me. So uh, in the beginning, yes, I did it all it, I, uh, a while. It was rough, but hey, nothing's worth doing difficult right yeah well i yeah i think it's interesting that you say the best part of your show is your guests whereas some of the listeners like me might say the best part of the show is you and the episodes that are just you because you have tremendous insight that you share in the show would you agree with that thank you that's very nice of you that's very kind of you my insight comes holy spirit i really know where my knowledge because I haven't read it, I haven't heard it. And I'm thinking, I don't know this. I'm like, okay, I know, I know. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. There's no way. One day I recused the general master. I've never been to, I never studied law. How did I know what she said was prejudice enough that was grounds for recusal based on bias? Tell us what the Holy Spirit is for anybody that might be wondering. The Holy Spirit is those thoughts that feel right. You usually know what's coming from the enemy if it doesn't feel right. God gave us the correct heart to decipher. So when you get the thoughts that are helpful to you or to others, and it feels right, it's generally coming from the Holy Spirit. That's so interesting. Tell us about your child. Tell us about the mindfulness that he adds to your life. My child or my children. Okay, tell us about your children because I didn't know. Okay, one day, my daughter is very pretty and she's talented. She sings. She says, I'm ugly. She said that one day. And then this is what I did. I said, sweetheart, will you do me a favor? I know that you said you're ugly and negative talk sometimes can be harmful. So I gave her the book, Dare to be Kind. And Dare to be Kind is this lady who has a genetic condition. And I said, if you ever feel you're ugly, look at this person and look how she was still able to keep a positive outlook in life and not let negative feelings get in the way because that's from pickpocket. That's the enemy. The next book I'll have her read. I mean, that's a great book for people that may be poor in spirit 
or that don't have any faith. Those who do have faith, this is a great mindfulness book, something greater. And it's about a woman preacher, which is great. I mean, I'm Catholic, but I love it. I love the idea of a woman preacher. She started off well in life, but then had rough times. And she was just as human as anybody else and went through other things. So those are two really great stories that are inspirational. Who's the author of Something Greater? Oh, Something Greater is Paula White Kane. She's also the spiritual advisor of the president. Paula White. Oh, is she? Yes. And this is Lizzie Velasquez is the Dare to Be Kind. Because if ever somebody negative talks, that is a great book to read, to realize that there's no reason to talk negatively. One of the things that I like to do when I felt bad about circumstances was compare myself or look at, realize that there's people around the world that are starving, that are suffering much harder than I am, and just get inspiration from them that they're being able to deal with it. And so should I. So if somebody reads a book like that, they'll realize that if somebody like that could stay positive, then they can also. There's also apps that are helpful for those that are spiritual and that have faith. There's an app called Pray. It gives you a daily prayer. There's meditation. There's inspirational stories. If you don't, if you've never read the Bible like I haven't, and you want to learn about Bible stories, it's got the New and the Old Testament. And it's 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 really a great spiritual guidance. And some of the inspirational stories are spiritual or not. But also there's there's also an app, not just you uh that then pray. For those that poor in spirit or don't have much faith, God loves them too. And there's an app for you. <laughs> it's called Youper. Y-O-U-P-E-R. It's like a guidance counselor. It guides you in thinking the right way, or it encourages you in doing the right actions. It also gives you insight into yourself that you may not know. And it, it has a personality test or a personality profile where you might learn of strengths that the person normally doesn't know, and they might not think they're capable. And now they learn that they're more capable than they thought. And they'll feel better about themselves because a lot of us have so many beautiful qualities that are raw, yet to be discovered. We don't even know it exists in us. I think that's fascinating. I've not heard that heard of that app before, Youper, Y-O-U-P-E-R. And it's, it's like actually, a guidance counselor. Yeah, that's very asks, cool. It asks you how you're doing every day. And if, depending on your response, why do you think you're feeling that way? And what are the things you think are contributing to this? It gets you to think critically. It's really nice. That sounds awesome. Yes, I've not heard of it. I'm, I'm going to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and based on your smile, I can tell you, you enjoy, I can tell that you enjoy both of those a lot. Oh, well, I'm easily, I'm easily uh, pleased. I like to enjoy everything. I enjoy doggies. I enjoy people. I think that's part of the mindfulness, really enjoying what you be appreci- appreciative for what you have, for who you are, for where you are for where you are in life, and most importantly, for the fact that God loves you, and he's a good guy. Thank God God is good and not evil. I love to be on the winning side. 
Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good thing. Yeah. Well, I love your energy. You're so upbeat and you're so much fun. And you say that you don't open up to your sadness very often with other people. But how do you deal with your sadness by yourself? I try not to dwell on it. It's really a waste of time. I believe it's pocket who wants me to be depressed. Pocket who wants me to think it is. So sometimes if I'm able to, I do something to combat it. I said, okay, so the nicer I'll be to this person or the better job I'll do with this and a way to ignore it. If I'm not able to ignore it, worst case scenario, I take a little nap and it's better. Nothing lasts forever. I focus on not dwelling on that, but dwelling on my blessings and the good things if I'm able to. If I'm not, I sleep it off. You sleep it off. Right. And so you you said the pickpocket. Yes, because you never know. He's taking your soul to death. And the devil, like a negative connection. And I don't want to hate anybody. Pickpocket is kind of hearing, but it's all true. You don't know he's stealing your soul and you should be aware of it. Right. The pickpocket. I got that from a saint, from the saints who battle Satan. One saint, she was so good about it. She'd laugh about it and say, oh, that's just pickpocket. <laughs> I'm still working on that one. <laughs> right. So, so the, the, the idea of the pickpocket isn't your idea, but you picked it up. And from you, the saints. From the uh, saints. Yes, from a long time ago. She used to call him that. I thought it was cute. I, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's stuck. Yeah. That's interesting. So all over social media, you are Amy's purpose. Amy's purpose.com is your website and on social media, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, Amy's purpose, A-I-M-E-E-S, Amy's purpose, P-U-R-P-O-S-E. So what is your purpose? There's a reason for that. Because I didn't realize I had a purpose until I told my story, until I wrote the book. And then to my surprise, I got so many good reviews and I saw how it was changing people's lives, how it was helping them. And all my life, I thought what happened to me was so unfortunate. And then I realized it was pivotal. It was instrumental in helping others. That because I was, I had been through so much, I can help others, if not just by telling my story, but by being understanding, by being able to understand them. I even now understand physical pain. So little by little, I'm getting to understand a lot of things. (laughs) But it was my pain that had turned into purpose by knowing that the pain that I went through wasn't in vain. It was vessel for helping others. It was what? It was the vessel for helping others. Wow. And the subtitle of your book is The Courage to Stand Up to Her Abusers. How have you stood up to your abusers? Well, when I was a kid, when I was 15, it was basically telling the truth all over again, knowing that I would destroy my family. I would be separated, go to a psychiatric hospital to them, and all the rest of the kids would go to my sister. And I had to maintain the truth, even though the other children wanted to go back home. 
and the media and the police, my mother's a genius, she had them on their side and they made it look like because there were two parents that were doctors that we were after their money and I was after my freedom. So it was very hard to fight even the media and the police and say, yes, I am saying the truth. And I thought that how it was that I had to stand up to them. But now today I realize that standing up to them meant more than that. Standing up to them was forgiving them. And so not too long ago, after not having seen my mother since I was 18 years old, just a couple months ago, I wrote my mother an email letting her know that I don't judge her because that's important to me, not to judge others. I could, but I don't because I've never been in her shoes. And it's much easier to say, I'll die for Jesus. So somebody says, okay, I'll kill you and leave all your children. It's much easier to say it until you're in that particular situation. And I told her, because I've never been in your shoes, I'll never judge you. And because you're my mother, I will always love you. And because I hold no anger in my heart, I forgive you. Her response is not worth mentioning, but that was the proper way of standing up to them, of letting them know you hurt me and it's okay. And that's what was ultimately the standing up to them is letting them know they could have taken my childhood, but only God has me. They can't take my happiness. Wow. I'm very moved by that. And I love what you said about the fact that you've decided not to judge others, even your mother. So your stepfather, was he a doctor too? Yes, a pediatrician (laughs) at that. So he's not a pediatrician anymore. He was found guilty by the judges, just never went to jail. Oh, wow. So he's not a pediatrician anymore. Do you have any communication with your stepfather? No, out of my nine siblings, I communicate with one sister, Michelle. Now, Lisette is a doctor in North Carolina, and she's very busy. I say hi every once in a while. But the person I'm close to is my older sister, Michelle. But the rest of my siblings don't speak to me uh, because my mother would disown them if they do. Mm. And it's still, believe it or not, a dysfunctional family. Right. Yeah, I can believe it. (laughs) I can believe that. How do you deal with urges today? Do you have urges today that would take you into addiction, like urges for substances or urges to quell the pain somehow? I believe I'm vulnerable any given time to fall for temptation. So what do I do? I pray every day. I start my day with prayer. I go throughout my day in gratitude and I try to think of God and Jesus as much as possible. That helps. And with that, as long as I'm praying every day, my biggest urge is to not disappoint God and to stay close to him because I know what it's like on the other side. I know what it's like not to have God in your life. I know how lonely it can be and what a living hell it can be, how it used to be that every woken moment I couldn't stand. And it's such a different world. And it's so much more happiness if only God knew. I mean, if only people knew that God is secure. How much time do you think you spend praying every day? The rosary takes about 
25 minutes. <laughs> then I say my daily from my prayer. And if after the rosary, there's an inspirational song, I, I, I play it because I believe in growing personally and also praise and prayer. Prayer keeps you humble. It's important. Humility is great. And so I, I go, I believe in those. And you believe, sorry, if, you believe in what? I believe in those things. Um, being grateful and prayer and praising God. And it helps me to start the day throughout the day. Everything else is, it comes second. I prioritize God. Success to me is being, trying to be a good person, being better than us yesterday, growing closer to God. Okay, so I own a business and I'm a president. All that is, is different because I know what it's like to be homeless and to be poor and to be addicted and to have and to have not. And I know that I'm capable of being happy in both situations as long as I had God. So nothing worries me. Nothing bothers me. Whether I lose it all today, go back to where I was when I was poor, doesn't matter as long as I have God. So that's what's most important. And I'm not going to do anything to jeopardize that, having a relationship with God. Awesome. In your book, you mentioned the pickpocket. Tell us about the pickpocket. He is very manipulative. He knows exactly what pushes your buttons. He knows exactly how to frustrate you, how to make you mad how to make you feel insecure, how to twist things around. You know how there's two sides to every story. That's why we have Democrats and Republicans, the yin-yang, good and evil. Well, there's the truth. There's God's There's your truth that you inside your heart know. But Pickpock is really good about manipulating you, making you believe something that is not true, making you feed into it. For some reason, it's so easy for us to feed into it. The best thing for you to do is ignore it. Don't go with that first thought. That's a temptation. That's to give you a chance to do something right. If God came first, it'd be too easy. So there's your chance. God gives you the strength. You can choose to do the right thing. Is the pickpocket the inner bully, those voices in your head? Yes. And he comes first because, you know, he gets a head start somehow. that's where faith comes into into play and prayer (laughs) what is he trying to steal from you well your relationship with god he wants to steal your soul he wants to to breed anger and hatred and division and intolerance and uh holding a grudge and uh, i mean all those things that don't bring about good things, that bring about hurt feelings, that's the stuff that makes them happen. None of that stuff happens when you have a relationship with God. Only things that make you and others ha- around you happy is what happens when you have a relationship with God. I mean, you still have frustrations. Pickpocket will still try. He tries with me every day. That's okay. I'm afraid. I know I'm bigger than that because I have God. And I have faith that he will help. I'm interested in the fact that you know i always ask five questions and you've answered most of the five questions already you've talked about an app you've talked about books you've talked about god when if i ask the question who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice what would the answer be would it be god i would say the holy spirit right because he's the one that puts the right guest on my show for example 
he's the one that introduced me to my husband. He's the one that I run into a Facebook post that really makes sense, that I really needed to read, that I needed that exact message or that song that I needed to listen to that had the right message, that it's not coincidental that the perfect song that you've never listened to just happens to play and it gets you through that moment. He's the one that helps you and puts the right situation in your way. And you either grab it or you don't, you know, pickpocket's going to try to. It's a constant struggle between good and evil, but good does win. So there's always hope. I love looking at you because you just glow with this smile on your face. It's beautiful. Uh, Is breathing a part of your mindfulness? Is breathing, uh, deep breathing a part of your daily life? Yes. I learned that from one of my guests. The importance of meditation is when you take time for yourself. When you take a moment to relax and be aware of yourself, of how you can just lift in a way for your thoughts and you can relax and some people practice it every day i find prayer to me meditation is 30 minutes of repetitive prayers (laughs) yes so to you meditation and prayer are similar yes it's the same one and the same to me but some people don't pray and meditation can be very good for them because it teaches them to love themselves to take time for themselves to be aware of themselves and aware of how awesome they are and how happy they can be. And the fact that their body is working so well, they're breathing, their organs. We walk around with this amazing body because I'm a nurse and I work in the medical field. The body is amazing. Only somebody perfect could have created the human body and we take it for granted. So when you meditate, you're not taking it for granted. You're becoming one with yourself. Right. So awesome to talk to you. And it's just been so eye-opening to hear your point of view. Amy's Purpose, that's where you are in social media and amyspurpose.com, A-I-M-E-E-S-P-U-R-P-O-S-E.com. And thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing your story and being with us today, Amy. The pleasure is mine. Thank you. And God bless. All the best to you. Bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, this sleep naturally guided meditation that I have for you just for Mindful Tribe members. It's to help you receive the deep, easy sleep that you deserve. Sleep naturally and you'll be able to fall asleep easily, get more work done tomorrow and feel better about it. Rest comfortably without effort. Go to mindfulnessmode.com slash sleep for your free download. 
So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.